We're in Acts 4, 5 through 12. We're still in Acts, the church on the move. Um, and uh, we'll be in there for the next 5, 10 years. I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, uh, going a few verses at a time, it'll take a while. But it'll be good for us every time, I promise. And uh, today it's called Know the Power. What is the power of the Christian life? And I will tell you this, that we're always looking for a formula. We're always looking for some trick or some like three steps or five steps or ten steps to success, to health, wealth, prosperity, whatever it is. And, and, and there is no formula. Um, there, there is a position, but there's no formula. But that position involves a relationship, and that relationship, just like any relationship, takes time to develop. It's immediate, but it also takes time. When I met Janice... Uh, unbeknownst to her, within three days, I knew that I was going to marry her. Now, if, if a single guy, if you're single in here, and you meet a woman, and you go, I'm going to marry that girl, don't tell her. Because she'll think you're really weird, all right? And then she will run away and never talk to you again. So I knew that much, so I shut up about it. I just, I just went on a campaign, and, and I met her in May. I married her in December, so... Applaud me. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, but I knew right away that, that, and so, man, that relationship, and, and it did. It began as a friendship, but it was very quick. We just kind of, we just knew, and, and it, it just happened. And when we come to Christ, and, and that's really not a good way to say, when Christ comes to us and we realize that he, as that last song said, has been chasing us, uh, that whole time that we come into the, uh, the song before, but that, that last song, we come into his courts and realize that the blood of Christ is there on that mercy seat and that his blood forgives us of our sin. And now we have a relationship with God, not because of us, but because of him. What an amazing thing, right? Amen. That is the power of God, having a relationship with him. Because when you have a relationship with the creator God through his son, Jesus Christ, enforced and empowered by the Holy Spirit... 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, As many as may be the promises of God in Christ, they are yes. If you want to understand what it means, and, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you the point of praying in Jesus' name. It is in that name that we have that power and authority. You need to talk to Pastor Kareem. I don't know of a man that understands that better and prays that better than him. Now, I'm not puffing him up, and, and I hope you've got enough humility not to be puffed up. I believe that to be true. But when this brother prays, you know that, that it's there, and, and, he can, and he can help you understand that. I, I attempt that. I don't feel like I do it. Uh, I understand that as well. But in the Scripture, what we find out is that saying the name of Jesus is not a magic trick. It has to be a relationship. Now, I'll get into that. I'm going to say more about that a little bit later. Let me just stop. I want to tell you another story about a mutual friend of all of us uh, who was in Israel last week leading a group of young people on a tour from different nations. Okay, just make sure you're with me. And, uh, and, and he was accosted uh, because they were handing out Bibles as they were touring. And... And a Hasidic Jew, one with the ringlets and the funny hats and the weird clothes, saw them and came after him, cursing him, threatening to kill him. And he told the young women he was with, walk away, walk away, walk away. And they were trying to walk away. 
And he grabbed him by his backpack, pulled him to the ground, took everything out of his pockets and threw the Bibles in the scriptures, yelling at the same time, missionaries, I'm going to kill you, missionaries, I'm going to kill you. And nobody lifted a finger to help. Now that's in Israel by Hasidic Jews doing that persecution. That's going on today. My friend, our friend, told, told us that he should have known. And, and let me tell you, and the reason I'm telling that story, one thing is to show the persecution still goes on. It goes on in places you might not expect it to. But he said, I was warned and I didn't listen to the warnings. And here's how he was warned. He said, as he was touring, he went into a cave, right? They use that term. And, and in that cave was an Hasidic Jew praying. And of course, they, they do all this stuff thinking they're being heard by God. And if you don't pray in the name of Jesus, you're not heard by God. And he said it was unusual, and that was the first hint. You might run into something. He said, then as they were walking, he looked up and he saw someone. He didn't say exactly who it was, but he said the face looked like a pig face all of a sudden. It morphed into a pig face. Just a, you know, scripturally, that kind of means bad things. And then the third thing that happened was he was attacked. And he said after the first or the second, he should have stopped the group and prayed in the name of Jesus. Spiritual warfare. Because he should have known an attack was coming. So he learned something. He wasn't hurt, wasn't injured, I guess pride or whatever. And, and over there, if he had have defended himself, he would have been arrested. So he did not against that type of person. But I just tell you that to tell you there is power in the name of Jesus. I, I, I asked our friend, uh, I said, uh, did you go get the Bibles out of the trash can? And he said, no, but he touched it. So I count that as a victory <laughs> because they wouldn't even touch. Because he said, I know what you're giving out. I know what you, those books are about Jesus, aren't they? And snatched them and threw them away in anger and threatening to kill him the whole time. Here's what I want you to take home with you today. I tell that dramatic story to say the power of God is released in our use of his authority. Now, leave that up there for a little bit. Let's stand up. Don't, don't go to the scripture. Just leave it. I stand up and read with me. Uh, uh, chapter 4, beginning of verse 5 through verse 12. Now, on the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we step into the very throne room. And Lord, we see there the real ark of the covenant. The mercy seat. And there the blood of Jesus pleads for us. And so, 
by the authority of the blood that has cleansed us from our sin. We ask that today you be merciful to your people. That you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things out of your word. And if you would be so gracious and if it be your will that you would send revival to our hearts and souls. That we might be effective ambassadors, witnesses for Jesus Christ in this world. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you. Y'all be seated. I appreciate uh, you being here. The first thing, the powers that be show up. We see that in verse 5. Notice what it says. That it's the next day. The next day what? Remember, this is kind of a long story. I'm breaking up little parts. Peter and John, several weeks ago now, they're going into the temple. Now, all this happened in a day, but we're taking several weeks to even talk about it. They're going into the temple. There's a beggar there at the gate, beautiful. He sees Peter and John. He's there to beg alms, which was a religious requirement of the Jewish people. And he sees Peter and John. Peter notices him. I believe uh, the Holy Spirit pointed the guy out because there's probably more than one beggar there. The Bible hints at it, but doesn't say that plainly. But I, I, in reading it, I believe that's what happened. And he sees the guy, and the guy sees him. And Peter said, and he says, alms, you know, he's begging alms. And Peter says, look at me. And the guy gazes at Peter and expecting to get some money. And Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I got, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He grabs him, lifts him to his feet. The guy's feet are immediately healed. He goes leaping, praising God into the temple. And the crowd gathers because something weird just happened. Something great just happened. Something miraculous just happened. This morning, something weird happened. When Brother Monty came before any of us were here to open the church, there was a bear at the bottom of the street down there by the stop sign. So he took a picture of it. You, you can ask him later. He'll show it to you. Hey, you can send it up to the deck. We'll show it up there. But there was a bear down there, okay? Just letting you know, that's kind of weird, isn't it? I think so. I don't know. Maybe you're used to bears on the corner, but I'm not so much. But anyway, so... Something strange happened, so a crowd gathering, Peter and John start preaching to the crowd. Then the Sadducees show up, and they don't like Peter and John preaching in the name of Jesus. And they want to they talk to them, but they, it's too late in the day, so they throw them in prison until the next morning. Now we're at the next morning. And it says in verse 5, And so the next day the rulers, elders, and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem. In other words, the Sanhedrin met. The group of judges meet to talk to Peter and John. That's all that means. So the powers that be met to examine Peter and John. In verse 6, I, I want you to understand something, what's going on here. This, the Jewish system had been so corrupted by the Sadducees at this point. Notice it names a bunch of men and it says, and all those are the high priestly family. Now if you think of the high priest in Jesus' day as you did in the Old Testament, you'd be mistaken. The Old Testament was Aaron, Aaron conks out, one of his sons becomes high priest, he conks out, one of his sons becomes, not so now. It's become a political deal, and so there's this grandfatherly figure, and his son becomes the high priest, and his grandson, but they all maintain the power and authority of the high priest, but now it's a whole family that's related. It's nepotism at its worst, running Jerusalem, and they're all Sadducees, which we learned the last time. They don't believe in the supernatural. They don't believe in angels. They don't believe in heaven. They don't believe in a life after death, and that's why they're sad, you see. And uh, so you learn that. And so this high priestly family, and I just wanted to point that out. Verse 6 says that. So you understand it's a corrupt system. It's a family. And listen, when, in my business, when you go to a, a, a new church, when you're first starting out, it's usually a small church because God does that to guys like me 
so there's less people to see your worst mistakes. Because, brother, we never quit making mistakes. We just hopefully make fewer of them as we go along. And, but usually, and, and, and this is why I stay as close to Pastor Bobby as possible. He knows your grandparents. He knows your brothers and sisters, your uncles, your cousins. He knows who married who and when and why and where. And so I always ask him, what's going on there? And so he explains, the, and I got to get out a scorecard and go, okay, here, you know, and have to make a family tree chart. I'm exaggerating, trying to make you smile, but it's not working, so I'll go on. So you go to a new church, you've, you realize you better not say anything about that guy because all these people are related to him. I mean, I'm in South Carolina, I understand some people's family tree don't branch. You know what I mean? So, so I get that. And, and, and that's what's going on here. It's like this family is taking control and won't let go. And, but I want you to catch something. And it's, it's, it's so beautiful. They ask the wrong question. They ask the wrong question. Look at, the, at, at verse 7. And when they set them in the midst. In other words, they all gather together. <clears throat> Here we are. Bring them out. Set them down. Now they ought to be awed that the Sanhedrin has met. And now... They have to go before Congress and testify. And notice the question. By what power or by what name did you do this? I can just in my, because I got this crazy imagination. I see Peter start to grin. Because they asked the wrong question. I I had a friend in in a place that I won't name. And he was also... Uh, an ambassador uh, to that place from our company. And, uh, and, and he said he was called in for questioning, I think, a dozen times by the police in that, in that country. And he said, but they never asked me the right question. So I never had to lie. And he was able to get through that way. I'm a stickler. You, I, I was explaining this to somebody the other day. Janice can say, do you want to go for a walk? And I'll say, no. And then she looks at it and says, would you go for a walk with me? Yes. Because I don't want to. Because I never want to. I just didn't sit on the couch. So be specific. My, my son had a thing the other day on one of the social medias. It was a picture of he and his wife. And one of his friends wrote on there, this is a great picture. Did a photographer take it? Now, my son is my son. And so he wrote back to his friend, when a person takes a picture, at that point, they are a photographer. To which his friend replied, when you answer sarcastically like that, it literally makes my blood boil. Okay. And I went, that's my boy. (laughs) Because he asked the dumb question. So you get a dumb answer. This guy asked that question. I just see Peter going, <laughs> thank you. Because here, here's the thing. I never saw this till I was studying for this sermon. He wasn't asking about the healing of the crippled man. He's asking about who gave you the right to preach because they don't have freedom of speech. And here's Peter in the temple teaching. Who gave you permission to teach is the question. But that's not what he asked. He said, by what power or authority have you done this? Y'all know people talk like that. They only use pronouns. 
Hey, what happened to that thing the other day over there? Huh? What are you talking about? You know, give me a subject. I need a subject to understand what you're talking about. And I know what happens. I do the same thing. There's a thought running through our head, and then suddenly we speak because we think other people have been hearing our thoughts while we're thinking them, right? We just forget. And that happens, and Peter, this guy's like, okay, we got him now. Are you ready, guys? But what authority have you done this? And Peter just starts grinning. Because the powers that be are about to hear the power explained. And Peter takes advantage of that moment. And I want you to catch this in verse 8. Then Peter, what's the next phrase? Filled with the Holy Spirit. I've told you before, when when you find yourself in these moments, you better be filled by the Holy Spirit because he's going to guide you. This last week, our kids did E-Now and uh, Evangelism Now. And uh, uh, Brother Milton Harding came down from Centerville Baptist and and uh, he, uh, he uh, helped the kids on, on Monday night, Tuesday night. He, he spoke to them. They had a great time. I went out with them a couple of times uh, just canvassing. And one, the first time I went out, we were downtown. And our kids were handing out Bibles, talking to people. And they went to hand it out to a couple. They, a, a young lady asked the question, hey, do you have a minute of time? Uh, would you like a Bible? And the man said, uh, she's on a break. She doesn't have time giving her freedom to leave. And he said, and I'm an atheist. So I went, what? You know, so I'm going over there. And so I engaged him, which he spoke a lot without saying a lot. And, and he would ask a question, wouldn't give me a chance to answer, and he's yelling things. He sounded like me, only reverse. And, and so I'm sort of doing the same, but I was just trying to, sorry, nail him down to one point. But, we, but the conversation went a long time, and I told the kids later, I said, I wouldn't have talked to him that long because he wasn't willing to listen or, or answer a question or let me answer a question. Uh, but I did that for your sake so you could hear what, what was going on. The upshot of that is, at the end, I tried to hand him one of our little tracks, the three-circle conversation track, and he said, I don't need that. I know what it says. I don't believe it. I said, I will read anything you ask me to read, because he thought himself an intellectual, and, and if you'll read this, he said, I, I don't want, I said, I will read any book you, you want me to read. I pull out my phone. I said, what's the name and the author? And I'll read it. And then we'll talk about it. If you'll read this. So he gave me the name of, well, the upshot is I got to read two 300 page books of evolution and weird stuff just so I can talk to this guy. I read the introduction of the first one, the first chapter. And it was all maybe, might be, think so, could be, latest estimation is already. So I'm highlighting that going, you don't even know what you're talking about, so why should I believe it? But anyway, but, but here's my point is, you better be filled with the Holy Spirit when you start to talk. You see, with that guy, I just wanted to, I wanted to, you know, my tendency, my sinful tendency is to win the argument. But I was trying to win a hearing so I could talk to him about Christ because he, he said, what's your evidence of God? I said, look around. There had to be a designer. No, there didn't. And in the first chapter of that book, it said, before there was something, there was nothing. And then the big bang happened, and all matter and energy just appeared suddenly out of nowhere. Which I agree with, but they just think it just, like there was nothing, and then boom, it just started existing. Which means, and I would have said this years ago, they finally got around to admitting that, if you, be, if, you're, if you believe in evolution, go outside, gather up some sticks or stones, and lay them down and bow down and worship those. 
Because for you, that is your God. That is what has existed since the beginning for you. But we believe before the beginning, there was God. And God created. I believe in the Big Bang Theory. God said it. Bang. There it was. Okay. That, that's, that's kind of where I stand. But, but I, I, my point in that is that you better be filled with the Spirit when you go to witness. Because this isn't a convincing someone of an argument. This is helping, giving the Holy Spirit something to work with. To bring conviction and understanding in their heart. And I hope I did that with that individual. I asked some questions he couldn't answer by evidence of the fact he never tried. And I, I, if I keep talking about it, I'll go too far. So let me just stop. And so Peter seizes that moment and he turns that question. He turns it to a discussion about Christ and about Christ's power. Because they were looking for an authority... But, but Peter begins to explain the power. And, and here's the deal. If you know Jesus, you know his power. Because you were lost. You were dead in trespasses and sin. You were, you were headed to hell. And now you're a brand new creation. You're headed to heaven. And, and you know the Lord. You know where you're going. You've been saved from destruction and been given life. And if you know that power... Then you know the power. But notice how Peter says it in verse 8. Filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today, and here's where he turns this tide, concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? That wasn't the question, but he left it too wide open. So Peter takes advantage of it. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel... And notice his wording, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. One of the commentators points out that Peter did not say, by Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He does say later, by his authority. But he says, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And here's the difference. If Peter had said Jesus had done it, what that does is says, well, Jesus just randomly did that and we just happened to be standing there. But what Peter is saying is that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ and have been given the authority to use his name. I, I, I promise you, I don't know last time it's happened to you, if it's ever happened to you. For some of you, it's probably never happened. It's happened to me too many times. That you look in your rearview mirror and you notice the blue light special. So you pull over. And that guy walks up, and if that man was not wearing a badge and a gun, he couldn't do that. And he does not walk up to me and go, my name is Joseph Smith. Just make it up a name. I know he's the founder of Mormonism and he's in hell, but just first thing popped in my head. So if your name's Joseph Smith, my apologies. My name's Joseph Smith and I don't like how fast you were going. He just walks up and says, license and registration. And if I give him any lip, why should I give it to you? He can do that. And if I say, oh yeah, well you're not so tough, he can do this. Right? He's got the authority and the power. And Peter is saying the authority is in the name of Jesus. And because I, we have a relationship with Jesus by the authority of his name. He has commissioned us. He's enabled us. He's given us the power he has to go into the world and preach the gospel. 
And that's what Peter is saying. And here's what I want you to understand. That if you know Christ, you have the authority to go anywhere in the world and preach Jesus. Because the world will say, we don't need him. You're trying to change our culture. We don't want that. I promise you, if you ever become a missionary, just because you care for the lost, and I think you ought to care for the lost, but if that is your motivation, you won't last long. Because they don't care whether you come tell them about Jesus or not. You better go because Jesus has commanded you to go because he will never change his mind. And you can't change yours if you go at his authority, right? And so Peter here says, it's not just Christ, it's the name of Jesus Christ. It's the authority of Jesus Christ in which we go. Let, let me give you a negative example. You're already in Acts. Turn over to Acts 19, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Obviously, we'll get to this story about year four of going through Acts. Again, I'm joking. Just in case you don't know, so you know when to laugh. Thank you. Uh, Acts 19. Sorry. I, 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 well, let me just give you the reverence. I'll tell you the story. Verse 11 to 16. There, and and, and when, back in that day, there were a bunch of people who would go around doing exorcisms. And they would, they would use people's names. They had a magic formula, sort of. And they would, you know, call up these powers to cast out other powers. And it says, God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So even handkerchiefs or aprons touched his skin, were carried away the sick. And their diseases left them. Evil spirits came out of them. And then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Amateurs. They ought to put a warning label on this. Do not attempt this at home. But the evil spirit answered them. I think this is one of the funniest phrases in the Bible, funniest sentences. Uttered, and it's uttered by a demon. Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? I mean, I hope Paul didn't get proud about this, but how would you like a demon to go, yeah, we know about Paul? I mean, are you living your life so demons go, oh, he got up again this morning, oh man. I mean, you ought to live your life in such a way, the devil, every morning you get up, goes, man, he's awake again. Paul we know... Jesus we know, Paul we recognize, but who are you? And then the man in whom these demons were jumped on seven men and beat them until they were naked and bleeding and they're getting it out of the house. What was the difference? They didn't know Jesus. They didn't even know Paul, but who cares? They didn't know Jesus. But if you know Jesus, Paul's power was not in Paul. Paul's power was in employing the name, the authority of Christ. And when we say in the name of Jesus in our prayers, it's not just a phrase. It's not just something we tack on the end. I catch myself, even this morning, as I prayed up here, I began in the name of Jesus. And at the end, it's just almost habitual. I said, in the name of Jesus, amen. We need to slow ourselves down. And like I said, I just gave you a bad example this morning praying. I need to slow myself down and understand that it is in the authority of Christ. I dare to go to the throne of God and ask him to do something. But in the name, I can ask him to do anything according to his will. And he will do it because he loves us. Amen.
Praise the Lord. So Peter, that's why when he jerked the guy to his feet, he didn't have an issue with that. He knew he knew Jesus. And he knew Jesus had told him the Father loved him, the Father would do it. And he just said, in the name of Jesus. And he picks him up and boom, he's healed. And now he's arrested for preaching and he's like, oh, thank you for opening that door so wide. And then Peter explains the position of Christ. He says, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Now, I, I want to pause there for a second. Not only is it in the name, but notice what Peter says. Remember, the word Christ is not a name. We use it as a name. We say it so much, we say Jesus Christ. We think like that's his middle name or his last name. No. It's his title. It's like us saying, Dr. Jesus. Doctor is not his name, it's a title. The title comes at the end. Lord, Lord is a title. That's who, that's who he is. He's the Lord. Jesus is his name. Christ is the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah. So he's saying in the name of Jesus who is the Messiah. Now don't forget who Peter's audience is. He's talking to the religious guys that know about the prophecies of the Messiah. And Peter stands in front of men who can take his life and says... Jesus of Nazareth, that guy, he's the Messiah you are looking for. And then he says, and you put him to death. This is one of the, this is so bold, we can't comprehend it. It would be like, you knew the President of the United States had done something illegal and got by with it, but you knew what it was. And then, you did something and you got hauled in front of him and he called you to answer. And you looked at him and said, bang, this is the truth. That's a bad example, but it's close to the thing I can get to to help you understand. When he said, Jesus Christ, the Messiah whom you killed and God raised from the dead. Now, what did he just do? He just opened their conscience. Because they all knew that Jesus had risen from the dead and they're trying to cover it up. Do you remember, if you're old enough, you remember a president who resigned because he tried to cover up a crime done by people under his employ. Right? That's what happened. Just, he, didn't get, he didn't quit because of what he did. He quit because of what he tried to hide. And these Sadducees are trying to hide the evidence of the crime they committed. Because when Jesus came back from the dead, they knew, oh man, it's over. And they knew Jesus had risen from the dead. And so Peter says, the stone that you rejected. And, and man, there's so much here. Verse 11. It, it, well, let me finish 10. Whom you crucified, whom God raised in the dead, by him, by Jesus, the Messiah, the name, the authority of Jesus, this man is standing before you well. And then he says, this Jesus is the stone rejected by you, the builders who's become the cornerstone. In other words, and it's a prophecy from Isaiah 28, 16. says, I lay in Zion a stone, a precious cornerstone. In Luke 6, Jesus tells us that we ought to build our houses on the stone. And he says, it's the cornerstone. And what the cornerstone does, it decides the angle of the house. It's that stone that is laid and everything is built according to the lines of that stone. And Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the church. And the church is supposed to be built 
upon the directions that Jesus laid down. And Peter says, you were supposed to be the builders of Jerusalem, but you threw away the cornerstone. And the stone you threw away has now become the cornerstone of what you see in here. You getting that? Good. I I got a lot more there, but I got to move on. Because I want you to see one other thing. In verse 12, the power is exclusive. There is no other name. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Remember, these are Jewish leaders. And they have a sacrificial system and a religious system. And what he just said to them is, you can't be saved by your system. There is no other name under heaven given to men to bring salvation. Not Moses. Not Abraham, not King David, not Aaron, Jesus. The boldness of Peter and John here is, like I said before, beyond our comprehension. It is amazing. But what I want you to see today is that the power that they are wielding, you possess if you know Jesus. And it's high time we cleaned off our gun... Make sure, well, that it's loaded, and it is loaded, and begin to employ it. And I don't mean physically gun, I don't mean to hurt people. Just using that metaphor, we begin to use the power that God's put in our hands. That at the name of Jesus, we can see people healed, people saved, people cleansed of their sin, lives transformed, families changed, cities, states, nations, totally radically Transformed by the name of Jesus. The church ceases to be spiritual and becomes self-seeking, only interested in the development of its own organization. That's something Oswald Chambers said this week. So what can you do? Don't fear earthly powers. (laughs) Peter and John are standing before a council that could lead them to, to a death. And Peter is absolutely without fear. At least he hides it well. Number two, take advantage of people's questions and turn them into Jesus' conversations. Somebody says something to you, man, just how can I get this to Jesus? I've been taught that by more than one of my mentors who said just, in in fact, there's a famous kind of a joke quote among pastors. Pick a text and head to the cross about preaching. Do that in your conversations. Whatever they say, turn it to Jesus. Turn it to Jesus. And then thirdly, hold on to the exclusivity, exclusivity, Jesus alone, all right? I'm like Porky Pig, I can't say it. I wrote it, but I can't say it. Exclusivity, thank you, Stuart, of Jesus Christ. Just put Jesus only, all right? There's no other way. Judaism won't get you to heaven. Catholicism won't get you to heaven. Baptist doctrine won't get you to heaven. Jesus gets you to heaven. Don't forget that. Okay, and then I brought down one of my old hymn books that I grew up with. In fact, it comes from the church I grew up in. This is the hymn to which my wife walked down the aisle to marry me. I don't know how I convinced her, but I did. To marry me or to use this hymn. But anyway, listen to the words. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. 
Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great. And armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's unchoosing. Does ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, which means captain of God's armies, his name. From age to age the same, he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word can fell him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them, abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also, the body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. That one little word, the name of Jesus, accomplishes everything.